Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood. I'm your host, Sharon Khan. I'm here to connect you with some amazing gems of mothers from all walks of life. Each week, you'll hear interviews as well as resources and actionable tips that you can implement in your daily life to be the best gem God has called you to be. Thanks for walking this journey with me today, and don't forget to subscribe to the show. Now let's get into our bonus episode with Miranda Morales. My children have felt a little left out of a lot of things, um, but in that, I see them really digging in in their relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. They have they have a hard time because in their minds, they think that people on this side don't have as broad of a worldview as people who have been raised in an expatriate um, kind of situation. Well, today I decided to have a missionary mama on the show. She and her husband lived in Zambia for a little more than 10 years with her three daughters. So I figured there's probably lots of gem nuggets we can get from her experiences of raising her daughter in Africa. Welcome, Miranda. Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood podcast. Hey, Sharon. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, it's so good to hear your voice. Um, And for those of you who do not know, Miranda had coronavirus and she survived. How are you feeling today? Well, I'm feeling a lot better. It's been a little over two months since I started developing symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, within the past week, I've noticed a shift in my health. I, my energy level is much better. My husband and I went on a three-mile walk the other day. Oh, wow. So I was really excited about that. That's great. Months- I can only do five blocks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge accomplishment because I know you were saying that you were really tired before and yeah. I'm glad you're feeling so much better. Yeah, it's a lot better. It's just giving me a lot of empathy for people who are recovering from this. It's a long, hard road. Yeah, I didn't think it would take such a long time. Me neither. But I'm really glad that you're doing good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So... Anyways, you were a missionary in Zambia and you raised three daughters over there. How has life been since transitioning back into the U.S.? Life transitioning back into the U.S. has been a very big challenge. Um, I think that we weren't prepared as well as we could have been for the reverse culture shock. Mm. Um, but I have to say that the things that we faced in Africa and the the things my daughters were exposed to have really given us all a backbone to and the ability to see beyond the present circumstances to what's really important. And wow. so it's really, it's been a rich experience. It's not been easy, but it's been a really <laughs> It's it's very interesting that you said that there has been a reverse culture. What's the difference between raising your daughters in Zambia and versus the US? Well, I think one of the one of the things that really sticks out to me is like going to school on a daily basis mm-hmm. was a different experience. We had to drive through areas where there were street children standing on corners asking us for food and money, and after a while, it just becomes part of your part of the the landscape. Mm-hmm. If you and 
And so you're you're surrounded by this need and this these life altering experiences all the time. And so you're forced to adapt and to be really, really flexible mm-hmm. a lot when you go out into society in Africa. As opposed to here, you know, there's things are pretty sanitary and sanitized. <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially these days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? I'm not gonna get coronavirus, especially where I've been at. Telling <laughs> it seriously. Oh my goodness, that's right. But um, yeah. So my girls, you know, they got to go to school with kids from all different walks of life. Um, their best friends are from Japan and China and India and obviously some from Zambia, and just from all different experiences. And it really developed in them a rich ability to be able to see people for who they are. My kids have the ability to look past what they see on the surface. And mm-hmm. I really credit that to their experiences in Zambia. I love it. I mean, it's, it's um, speaking about that. How, how old were your daughters when you first moved to Zambia? Oh, man, that's crazy. When we first moved to Zambia, Brooklyn, my youngest one, was 13 months old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Hannah was two and Amira was four. Okay. They were little. I look back at pictures from that and I think, what were we thinking? But I'm I'm actually glad that we were really naive going into the experience because um, it caused us to jump in with both feet. And I'm really thankful that our girls were exposed to this rich culture of, of community. Um, the, the Africans, the Zambians to be specific are very community oriented. Everybody looks out for everybody. Mm. And so when we went into that situation with three small children, um, the Zambians were amazing. They just surrounded us with so much love and care. And so my girls really got an understanding of what it means to be in community and really be there for each other. And I'm not so sure we were really good at that here in America. Right. Yeah. I, I think in America, we're still, we're still trying to figure out how to build communities, right? Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, speaking about, you know, exposing your daughters to different culture, being that they were so young, how, how did you and your husband teach them about different cultures? I mean, did they ever question like, you know, mommy, what's going on here? Why are there, why are there so many children begging for food? And yet we live in this house, you know? Um, no, my girls never saw things that, things in that regard. I think we, we talked to them a lot before going over to Africa about why we're going. Mm-hmm. And we, we showed them a lot of pictures of children so they could get an idea of what we were going to be doing. Um, and so they never, they never questioned why them and not me. Mm-hmm. I think 
just accepted it as part of what their lives were like because they were so little, they don't really know anything else right? other than what they saw. But what they saw was a, a culture of their mom and dad going out there, feeding street children and working with orphan babies and things like that. And that it was just normal for them. That was just what you do. Right. And, yeah. So I, they never really had those kind of questions. Plus, my husband and I are also a mixed race couple. Right. So they understood from the get go what that looks like. And we were always really open, always have been really open with them about um, how beautiful different cultures are and why we love to be a part of what people's worldviews are and learn from that. That's always been a really pivotal point for us and our family. That's awesome. Because because you and your husband served in a street ministry in Zambia, how did you expose your children to the mission of what you were doing? And what kind of challenges did you face along the way? Whoa, that's a good question. <laughs> in the beginning, I think we made the mistake of actually exposing them too much. We worked with in, on a farm called Kakabalika. Mm-hmm. You were there. You yes, saw. I'm familiar with Kakabalika. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. They would take street children and put them in this home and. Right. It would be a part of that family and they would learn farming and go to school and all kinds of really awesome experiences. And so because my children were so little, they would go with me once a week out to the farm. Um, and I thought it would just be really great for them to be a part of life out there. But we began to see that they were, um, they weren't comfortable out there. They were closed off and they became really reserved. My children are not reserved. So I began to really question what was going on. And my husband and I decided that we were putting them into a situation that they weren't prepared for, that they, they shouldn't have to expect to adapt to. Mm. And so it became important to us to create an environment for them that was as quote unquote normal as possible. So we put them in an international school. Mm -hmm. um, we uh, got them involved in activities and sports and all the things that kids should be allowed to be able to do because we felt like they, they had no choice but to go to Africa. Right. We chose to do it. They had no choice but to go along. And so we didn't feel like it was very fair to force them to become little missionary children if that's not what they wanted to do. And when we made that decision, we saw this change come over them again. They became comfortable and open-hearted again. But they were too little to be able to say, Mom, I'm Dad, I'm not comfortable here. Right, of course. I don't feel safe. <laughs> of course. And it's it was probably also a little bit difficult or challenging for you to kind of decipher why they weren't feeling comfortable or what you need to do. I mean, yeah, that was hard. That was really challenging. And my daughter, Amira, for example, would um, just cling to my leg every time we were out at the farm. She wouldn't go play with the other children while they, and she didn't want any of the boys at yeah. the farm to get near her um, and things like that. And so we just were like, we need to listen to this. We need to pay attention to what this kid is telling us. Yeah. And so we, we prayed about it. And we realized, no, they're not comfortable. And so we can't force them to do that. Right. So then 
What was important to you and your family, your husband, while raising your daughters abroad? What was important was that we wanted our children to be raised with a sense of of equality within humanity, right? We wanted mm-hmm. them to be raised with this idea that God has given us all a free will to choose and decide. And you know, we want them to walk with God, obviously, but we want, we, we've been really open with them about how they're going to have to make these decisions for their own. And then the children that we work with on the streets also have to make those decisions on their own. Mm-hmm. They, we're all equal in the eyes of God, that nobody's better than the other because of our, our living situations. We all have these choices to make. And so we've tried to really instill into our children um, a, a sense of who they are in the eyes of God and what they've been privileged to experience doesn't make them any better than anybody else. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so um, I've actually, coming back into America, I've seen the fruit of that Mm -hmm. in my children in that like, I've had to catch myself like these old school ways of thinking come up in me. And I I saw this woman one time when I was with my, my oldest daughter, Amira, we were, I can't remember, I think we were in a Target or something. And I saw this woman with earrings, those corks in her ears, and I said, gosh, she's going to regret doing that one day. And my daughter said, mom, that's really judgmental. What if she wanted that? And the way she, and the way she presented it, I was like, man, no, she was right. My, I realized that my heart was cynical and judgmental when I really started to examine why I made that statement. Mm-hmm. And so we, we've always wanted our children to be able to see people beyond what they see on the surface. Right. And so her being able to call me on the carpet like that, I was really thankful for that. <laughs> My daughters are really strong and independent thinkers in that regard, and they're learning to rely on God for themselves. That's awesome. Now, tell me a little bit more. I mean, you know, um, here in America, especially in New York and New Jersey, it's like the melting pot, right? Oh, yeah. There's so many different cultures. And, you know, can you give us some tips on how would you share with other moms out there in terms of exposing their children to different cultures? How would that happen? And how would you do that? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I feel like we just need to to jump in there and go for it with other cultures. I feel like the way I was raised, and this was not the way it was in my home, but just the general culture of the time when I was raised. Mm-hmm. It was like I was raised in a Christian bubble where it was like, you don't go over there because they don't believe what we believe and they look different. So we've got to be really careful with what they are doing and saying, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And somebody's approach to the gospel might look a little bit different than our approach, even though we're all getting to the same goal. So my advice is to just allow your children to experience Mm -hmm. and just delve into those kind of cultures and situations without being afraid that they're going to come out with some misunderstandings, allow those opportunities to be teachable talking points you can have with your kids. I remember this one experience, my children were taken on a field trip 
in their international school where they had to go to a mosque, a Hindu temple, um, a Christian church, and one other I can't remember. Okay. It was a synagogue, a Jewish synagogue. Okay. And they got to experience what uh, a service would look like in each one of those. And at first I was a little hesitant to allow them to go there, but then I thought, no, I'm going to let them go. Mm-hmm. And then we, they were nine years old at the time mm-hmm. individually. And so we, we were able to talk about like, well, what did you feel like when you were in the Hindu temple? What was, what was that experience like for you? And they were able to come to these conclusions on their own, right? Based mm-hmm. on what they know about the word of God and what we've taught them. And they, they've been learning how to respect other people's points of view, but they know that they don't have to believe it. Does does that make sense? Yeah. And so I, I just, my advice is to just let your children go for it and experience it. Take them to museums and cultural events around the city, like New York city and in New Jersey are really awesome for that. There's so many great opportunities to take your children to experience, you know, there's African dance shows and Chinese drum lines and Mm -hmm. all kinds of really cool stuff that your kids can go see and allow them to talk about what they're, what they see, how they feel about it, what they, what they uh, think about, you know, all the, all kinds of really cool stuff you can do. That's, yeah, that's true. I mean, there, there are definitely a lot of things that you could do in New York, New Jersey. It's, it's limitless <laughs> in terms of different cultures and etc. Now that you're back, how are your children adjusting to life in the U.S.? I mean, you know, I'm sure Zambia felt like they're normal to them. And yeah. being back in the U.S., probably feels a little bit different, like a, of a different culture. Maybe they're having culture shock. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think that we we didn't do a good job of coming back and preparing ourselves and our children for that. Right. Because we came back into the same home culture that we left. And so we kind of had this idea that everything would be the same, but we, we weren't prepared for people having experiences and, and you know, life-altering moments that we weren't a part of. And so my children have felt a little left out of a lot of things. Um, but in that, I see them really digging in in their relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have a hard time because in their minds, they think that people on this side don't have as broad of a worldview as people who have been raised in an expatriate um, kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And so we've talked a lot about how we have to think about us being here in America is not that we're home, but that we're in a new culture. And we need to take the time to adjust and learn this new culture, just like it was when we were in Africa. And so getting that mindset for all five of us has really helped a lot. And it's really causing my kids to really um, develop their relationships with each other Mm -hmm. and really value what they want in a friendship. Mm, That's very interesting. uh, What they want to value in a friendship. Um, Can you speak a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, they they really value um, they value loyalty and a friendship, as we all should, right? Mm-hmm. But they really want to be with people in their lives who who want to talk about deep things. They want to talk about really um, things that matter mm-hmm. as far as like religion and even politics. My 13-year-old wants to talk about politics all the time. Wow. <laughs> and so we also, my husband and I are challenged and like we have to really remind them that, you know, you are just a kid and it's okay to just be a kid. <laughs> it's, it's really okay to just cut loose and be a kid. So... <laughs> Now, do you think that deep thinking, it just came from a different culture shift for your family because of the way that they've lived in Africa? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. I think it, I think it really came from like, like they would hear me talking about how I would have to spend my days going to find pregnant homeless girls and getting them into rehabs and Mm -hmm. getting them care you know that was what they would hear me talking about and Mm. you know we had a my husband and I had a an art center where street kids could come and we would teach them art and we would teach them how to make these hand-painted signs that we would sell and we would use that to pay for medical care for the kids and so that was always something that was always talked about around our home so my kids saw something really deep in the way I mean (laughs) making it sound like we were (laughs) It was just the, the nature of the beast of where we were and what we did, right? Right. And so um, I really do feel like that kind of thing, without us even knowing we were doing it, really instilled in my children, like, they don't like to sit and talk about clothes. They don't like to sit and talk about, I mean, they do talk about goofy stuff. We talk about movies and they talk mm-hmm. about boys and all those kind of things, but they really want to spend their time reading and um they want just to build one good solid friendship that's what they want they don't feel the need to be noticed by everybody now tell me just being in africa and them being an international school how did you you know how did you incorporate your devotional life to them how how did you um teach them about Jesus while you were there? I mean, obviously you were hands and feet while you were out there. Um, But I'm curious. We would have, um, I would like to say we would sit down together as a family every night and read the Bible, but... (laughs) 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 Not good, I'll be honest with you. (laughs) We tried, Sharon, we tried. (laughs) Well, there's no perfect family, right? (laughs) My, my husband and I have always believed in having really blunt, open conversations with our children. Mm-hmm. And so we, as they, they were age appropriate, we've always talked about like, you know, what do drugs do? And what does the Bible say? We've always talked about what we see happening in our worlds around us and relating it back to what the Bible says. We always, we try to teach them to go back to what the word of God says. Mm-hmm. You know, they've seen me and my husband pray together. We pray with our children. We've taught right. them to, you know, what it means to be grateful. Let's, there's always something really good you can find in 
the day, no matter how crazy your day was. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I would say that we've raised our children really unorthodox in that regard. Yeah. And so they're able to really take steps back. I see it really, especially now in this lockdown, they've been able to handle what's happening with, they've been able to see beyond what we're going through right now. They, they have this way to see that their lives still have future. There's, this is not going to be the rest of our lives. This is probably going to change the way we all think about life. And, mm-hmm. But there will be an end to this one day. We will be able to move on with our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're hoping, we're all hoping that we can all move on with our lives to our semi-normal lives, at least, you know, um, sooner than later. Exactly. But, you know, the work that you guys, you and your family did out in Zambia was just amazing. And now you have your own um, company, I guess, you know, uh, where, where you use reclaimed wood to make wooden signs. Is, am I right? That's right. That's right. That's really awesome. And your work is just beautiful. I love it. Um, You know, incorporating incorporating graphics. And you guys did our our wedding. um, Oh, yeah. uh, That's right. (laughs) Yeah, you did. It was beautiful. We actually still have it. And, you know, we just need a bigger house to hang it up. Um, (laughs) That's right. My husband made those for you. Those those turned out really, really great. Yep, it did. Kind of wanted to ask you this, you know, a practical question for our listeners out there. What is your favorite mom hack? My favorite mom hack? Um, allowance. (laughs) Oh, tell, tell me a little bit more. (laughs) What? My, <laughs> I don't know. Some people doesn't don't agree with this method, but my kids were fighting all the time. At one point, it was either two of them were fighting, and there was always one innocent party. I guess, but <laughs> so I got a what I called the naughty T-shirt or the T-shirt of shame, and they would the two people fighting would have to go inside this T-shirt. And you would stick there, both their heads through the one neck hole, and one arm goes in one way, and the other kid's arm goes through the other one. And they would have to stay in this T-shirt until they were able to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, and I love you. <laughs> I, I love to, it. I just to do it twice. Oh, gosh. And, uh, and it worked, except for one time I did it, and I had to leave the room for a minute. And the- <laughs> The two kids that were in the t-shirt figured out that if they pulled in opposite directions, it would tear the t-shirt in half. (laughs) I was like, okay, well, I guess you guys work together, so you get the point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you thought them to work together. together they figured it out (laughs) (laughs) well i have a last question for you is there anything you would like to share with other gems of mothers out there i would like to tell other moms just to don't take yourself too seriously enjoy your children enjoy the stages that you're in be able to laugh at yourself laugh at the the goofy things you do um you're not ruining your children 
you are doing the best job you can. You are the best mom for your children. Know how to say you're sorry when you make a mistake and ask for your children's forgiveness. Let your children see you pray. Let your children see you humble yourself before God so they can learn what that looks like. But most importantly, just enjoy your children. Have fun with them. You're doing a great job. That's so awesome. Thank you so much, Miranda. We've got some really great gem nuggets about raising children abroad and just exposing them to different cultures. I think that's so important, especially in today's today's world uh, in terms of having our children see things in a different light and to be yeah. colorblind. Um, yeah, colorblind is a good way to put it. I like that. Yeah, so I just kind of want to thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me, Sharon. It was a real treat. Yeah. So this pretty much wraps up our podcast for today. For tips and takeaways, please visit our website at gemsofmotherhood.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gems of Motherhood podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more amazing Gems of Mothers and more resources, head over to gemsofmotherhood.com where you can subscribe to the show. That's where you'll also find show notes with actionable tips and any links mentioned by our guest. Most importantly, I hope you will find inspiration and learn to cultivate your own journey. You are loved. You are an incredible gem to God. He knows you intimately. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you need. Remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in him. Tune in next week for our next episode.